This is episode two of the HTH Sales Automation Podcast on when does a lead become sales qualified? Let's build a business based on H to H, not B2B, but human to human sales and marketing automation. A human approach is the only one that sells. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our next episode on H2H sales automation. Not B2B, but H2H, a human approach to sales and marketing. My name is Bart, uh, your host today, and I invite guests for a short 20 minutes interview to inspire you and improve your business. I'd like to welcome our guest today, Stuart Lotterington, Director of SBR Consulting, dialing in from London today. Stuart helps uh, people understand the difference between bad sales experience and uh, professional selling. Welcome to our podcast, Stuart. Thank you for inviting me, Bart. I'm looking forward to uh, our chat. Sure. Uh, we've been known for a number of years now, uh, and I know you're within a sales. I want to this conversation have maximum uh, about sales, about how to qualify leads, but also your own perfect experience of selling. Uh, we have 20 minutes. Let's use this to share our audience with our audience uh, about best tips. But bad experience and professional selling, what is the difference? How we can sell more professionally well but my career started over well over 30 years ago and um, i actually learned my trade by knocking on doors and doing it the hard way in direct sales and as, as many of us have experienced that's not necessarily the most nice way, nicest way to engage in a sales experience but i was very lucky i was taught how to um, effectively engage with people how to have and what we refer to as calling a buying atmosphere so it's a leading letting the client or the prospect take the lead and, and how to make the whole thing an enjoyable experience, even if people aren't interested in what you're doing. And I didn't realize how lucky I was to be taught that with a sales structure, a sales process, a sales uh, methodology. And what I've come to realize when I went into the outside world and became a consultant over 16 years ago, that that wasn't a generally accepted thing. And a lot of people have got bad experiences in the B2C world of people phoning them and just being persistent and horrible on the phone or badgering them. And these are all bad experiences. And what's really strange for me is that that also navigates into the B2B world. And, you know, being a managing director, I could I get lots of approaches on email and calls and equally see just as poor performance in a B2B environment. So professional sales, in my opinion, is where it's much more customer centric. It's much more um, explorative um, or the, the word I think most commonly used is a consultative approach towards client engagement with the prime objective, if not for you to sell something, but for you to help other people, because that way is going to be mutually beneficial. So that's what I would sort of, in a nutshell, summarize it to, Bart. Fantastic, fantastic story. And uh, yeah, customer centric, um, a part of the human to human approach, uh, as hence this name of the podcast is that we talk about how we can build that relationship. So part of the process of being uh, human or being customer centric is getting a little bit more info about the customer before approaching. So can, we, can you tell us a little bit more about how would you like to how you would build that relationship nowadays? Well, increasingly now, much more kind of professional sales environments are rec recognizing that they have an ideal client profile. 
and you know it's important to work out what your ideal client profile is who are the people that you're doing it we all experience this with our social media platforms that have actually geared that in they've got a lot of data on us so they're subjecting us to adverts and information that we would think potentially our profile would be um, of value to those particular products or services that they're offering and this is exactly the same thing there's no point trying to go and show someone something that they have no interest in whatsoever and that's what again leads to a poor customer experience and also builds a negative or poor name around the whole concept of selling which is one of the things that SBR Consulting, we really try to make sure that we give sales a good name and it's a proud environment to be in and a good, and a good profession when done properly. Ideal client. I'm glad really that you mentioned the ideal client profile. It's something that uh, what we found in our in, in the ecosystem uh, of HubSpot that we're partner of is that quite a lot of clients are actually pitching for the wrong uh, wrong wrong list. Uh, they, they're pitching for wrong message with wrong clients. But uh, building on that, um, the uh, episode uh, is called "When Does the Lead Become Sales Qualified?" I want to a little bit talk about um, the SQL MQL within. Uh, environment of sales is pretty common to use that phrase but maybe can you build up what is the mql what is the sql uh, explain our audience why we actually need that kind of uh, definition yeah absolutely well i'm sure your audience are aware that an mql is a marketing qualified lead what that fundamentally means is that you've done some sort of marketing activity and your clients have been, or prospects have engaged with you in some sort of way whether that's downloading something whether that's signing up to a webinar they've expressed some sort of interest in what you're offering them that might lead to them thinking a little bit more and wider about maybe using your services or your product so MQLs are literally just that. There's something that has, you know, has come in and someone's engaged with your firm through any one of those platforms and numerous other platforms in some sort of way. So it's nothing more than that. So it's, it's still reasonably cold, but it's a lot warmer than just all the random and the millions of people that are out there. The next stage, of course, is to actually do it, go into an SQL, sales qualified lead. So is that person that's engaging with you in some sort of way a potential prospect or a potential lead for your business? Is there a potential need for your services with them? And so it's important to qualify those. So I don't know how much detail you want me to go into SQLs, but fundamentally that's, that's what the, the difference between MQL and SQL is at, by our understanding. Fantastic. So if I can rephrase you, so uh, we have someone uh, in our system, in our marketing system, activities, whatever you're doing, they're liking our posts, they're downloading something, there is some action that they actually express some kind of interest, cold lead, but not good enough for you to sell, then we, we can move to the SQL, which uh, we can then see the potential. Now, it's a little bit like tricky, obviously, because uh, by saying the example of someone who would like to actually uh, buy some of, uh, uh, in our case, CRM, or in your case, uh, some consulting, uh, sales consulting, uh, is that probably, you know, when is the kind of thin line between both? Because obviously MQL, when MQL becomes SQL, maybe you can share some examples, maybe from experience of your clients, when they did that mistake and what they improved in order to actually be more precise with their me messaging uh, because we don't want to uh, rush up and sell too quickly to the people who are not ready yet. 
Uh, totally agree. And and this is why, again, a number of sales organizations now will separate their sales teams into SDRs and AEs or sales development reps. And those sales development reps, their role is to sort of learn to qualify that MQL and to make it into an SQL to see if it's the right one. And then move that up the chain to somebody who might be more qualified or more insightful around the product or service offerings that you have. And that goes to the account executive, the AE. So that two-step approach is becoming more and more common within the marketplace. It's very prevalent within the SaaS space um, and other sort of information or AAS's um, service offerings. Um, but increasingly, other organizations are taking that two-step approach. But where the mistakes are being made is when you have an MQL and then somebody just assumes that that is an SQL. So they immediately go into some form of client engagement and trying to go into some form of pitch. Of course, that is as good as just talking to some random person in effect on the street. So the way that we would put it in SBR is we would say, well, look, fundamentally what you need to do is you need to create a buying atmosphere. You want to, again, give Pearson people that can sort of insight um, and ability. So a number of firms do do this and do it very successfully when they're going around well look we've you've engaged with us what did you like about it what else would be of value how else could we give you some more value and engage in that kind of conversation in the hope that something will lead to them asking more questions about your service offering now if they say well actually i'm just in our case for example i'm just an individual contributor i like the stuff that you're producing in sbr it's useful for me as a salesperson we know that's not a decision maker and so what's also important is that you have some sort of qualification process that would help you, which is part of that ideal client profile, that's going to help you decide or would determine whether that individual is going to be of value. And this is, again, where things like link tools like LinkedIn will give you an idea. But in addition to that, you're also thinking, well, what is the role of that individual? Are they in a decision making position? Um, but that will be one part of your qualification process. And there's, there's loads of them. We have one in, um, in our business called Entabo, and I'll happily share that with everybody and your listeners in a second. But there's people like Scotsman and Bant and place, things like that that are qualification processes to determine whether this person is in a position ready, first of all, one, whether they could do it. Secondly, whether they can actually, um, the timing is right, whether they're qualified to, to do that, whether your service offering is actually of value to them and whether they've actually got the budget and they're going, they can make the decision. And again, increasingly what we're seeing is there's multiple decision makers. So you might be talking to that one person, but unfortunately, they're going to have to use or work with other individuals to make that decision. And again, that's another area where people often make mistakes um, in, in this sort of situation. I really like you mentioned the band. It's uh, is something is a is a hidden something very much forgot something that people actually forget to follow. Um, band uh, once again rephrase B for budget, E A for authority, N for need, and T for time. Asking that questions that will align. Um, uh, that follow and format will help you to see whether we are how closely we are with the sales. But what I want to now touch upon is also obviously a little bit of intuition because I, I think you know one of your processes, and I, I, I'm aware of, of your uh, triangle uh, system and processes. You, you might maybe mention a little bit um, to our audience, but um, very much important part of this is the skill bit that you are helping with your clients uh, because it's it's obviously the skill to, that you need to ask the question, you need to be too natural, you need to be confident that the solution that you're providing will actually, uh, uh, solution or product, uh, will, will, will make, make, make clients happy. 
But tell us a little bit more intuition. Can we trust our intuition? How can we trust intuition? Uh, maybe a little bit uh, something about playbooks. Maybe we can uh, we can prepare some kind of script that we can uh, then ask our salespeople to follow. And it's also that. Yeah, well, there's two big parts to kind of the sales elements that I would talk about here. And just to, again, for your listeners, I would say that just to clarify on the on the triangle, we have three component parts. One is the skills, as you said. The other one is the systems, one side of systems, and the other one's the mindset. We can definitely talk about mindset another day. But the skills is obviously the, your ability to engage. And then the, the, the systems will be that process that you work towards. So what we're talking about here is an MQL going to an SQL. An SQL might be delivered with an SDR. I just realized we're using so many acronyms here, but but um, so somebody who's a sales development rep may pass that on to an AE, an, an account executive. That is a process and that would fall under the systems part. So first part of the, what you're asking, I, I think, is is you know, I have you've got clarity in that step and that process and following the process. So I was talking to a coachee yesterday, um, very much saying how he's engaging with finding out some investors and he's going through a situation. He says, I'm following the process. I know that first of all, I engage. First of all, I create a bit of a relationship. Second thing, I might get a coffee call and then I build that relationship and then we might be starting to bring into some products. Now that's in a high end, large amounts of volume where trust is involved. But to answer your question around intuition, I think primarily it's all about whether it's intuition or whether it's just experience or skills this is the thing from uh, that you would talk about and the second part so that was first part was process that falls under systems the other part is skills which will fall under methodology so the method that you that you talk to and there's lots of sales methodologies out there dipita ada aidka panda miller hyman spin you know gap selling there's there, there's hundreds of, um, of them out there but that methodology, depending on the complexity of your product and your solution, um, depending on the length of the pipeline it takes, if it's very transactional, for example, it is possible to write some sort of degree of scripting or at least prompts. We prefer to talk them, um, refer to them as word tracks that give, give people some sort of idea on how to converse effectively. But while in and again another analogy I often use is kind of in the in the UK we have an educational system that has GCSEs and A level and degree, parking that for an element of recognizing that that's just th three levels of learning. Your first level of learning in sales is actually there is a process, there is a methodology, the way that I can engage, and there are steps in that methodology. The second part would be probably more of that intuition so it's much more relaxed it's much more in as you say intuitive to how i'm engaging i'm responding to what people are saying so i'm becoming that h to h to your point you know humanistic in the way and, and the quality of the way that i engage so it sounds and feels like a more of a natural conversation and i think all of us either consciously or unconsciously pick up when people feel in that there's a little bit stayed or plastic is the terminology I use in their client engagement. You touched quite a lot of, uh, well done. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> is, is, oh, thank you. I, I think out of this podcast, we could probably uh, build, you know, at least two or three, especially the mindset, because this is now uh, talking about a little bit mindset, because this is something that is really interesting. I want to touch a little bit of this world that we're living in. Obviously, there was a time that we all switched to, uh, yeah, now podcasting, we're recording this video, but also like we do the Zooms teams, it's like nobody actually discussing anything. We can actually do everything. So it online virtually 
uh, how difficult is it now for sales leaders to actually qualify leads within that own online environment? Is it tougher now because we don't see that you know language body? We used to, uh, you mentioned about your you know years of experience of knocking the doors and selling and the mistakes that you've made, which is fantastic, obviously. But you have this experience. You have you had this experience of expressing the world that someone is actually not bothered about talking with you. Uh, but while now we can have a jump on a call for someone who is uh, I don't know in states in Asia whatever. But what about that bond? How we can how we can you know any, any thoughts about changes within the sales environment that recently took place uh, with online and virtual uh, sales teams? Yeah, well, it's a, it's a fabulous question and one that many people and many of our clients are asking us is is to what is what is the situation now? What should we go and do? We can never replace the quality of face-to-face conversations with any other form. So that is always going to be a primary thing to go and do. The challenge with face-to-face, and this is where I think some organizations have exploded through the um, the COVID scenario and others have had been really slow to respond to it, is that the, the challenge is, of course, when you do go face-to-face, it does take a lot of time. I was recently advi- reminded of that when I actually went to a client organization. I then went to the reception they signed me in they phoned up another reception they couldn't they weren't ready to go and do that so this whole process took 10-15 minutes of time for me to even get through to get and sat down probably even longer just before I was sat down and talking to the client now that's 10-15 minutes of unproductive time waiting in, in a lobby now the scenario is of course that um it is much better to do in person and if you do get that opportunity or grab those opportunities you're likely to build a better bond with and, and trust bond um, with your client and as you say you could see a lot more but here we are in the virtual world and yes we're missing out on a number of body language cues it can also be a little bit more challenging when you've got multiple stakeholders on on the screen but for someone who's getting to my ripe old age one is really useful because i could see everyone's name on the screen so that helps me when it comes to engaging with them two i'm able to bounce out of one meeting into another and so we get that much more productive um, ability and i think the productivity of doing things virtually and in this um you know on whether it's zoom or skype or whatever is far outweighs the amount of productivity you can gain by doing it person to person. Now, that's a personal opinion. Um, I can only to share that with you based on the results of our own organization that has exploded um, over that um, the COVID period. Um, it could be uh, as a result of just the market for consulting has gone very high at the moment as well. But my general feeling from our clients is that as long as you're maintaining that activity, you can easily compensate for not meeting up with it. But the experience of that comes from being able to ask the right questions. And again, for people that are new to sales or still developing their sales, they can actually have on the screen prompts that the person's not going to see of prompted questions without them having to look down. They can still look like they're still engaged. They can see everybody in there. And the other advantage, I think, is even in a person to person room, you're normally looking at one person. And you're chatting to them. But if you've got multiple stakeholders, you can't necessarily see what the the body language of other people are doing. And what I'm personally finding is that if I've got four or five people on screen in front of me, I can see ones that are losing interest or being distracted or excited or engaged and appropriately do work with my sales skills to be able to work with that in whatever way, shape or form that looks like, depending on where, where I am through my sales methodology. So I think it's a good thing.
brilliant, fantastic. Yes, it is uh, yeah, cons and pros as with everything in life. Uh, we also found really interesting to talk to clients uh, who we probably will never meet uh, because of uh, yeah, distance. Now we can obviously surf and then the client advice and maybe even give advantage of, uh, you know, of our competencies in, in our um, systems. Um, before we close, so is we're reaching 20 uh, minutes. Uh, Mark, I wanted to have a, this really short and sharp interview people who are actually uh, will uh, review this podcast are busy they want to qualify leads they want to sell more business owners so before we go before we summarize all our discussions which i really appreciate uh Stuart, um final final thought maybe one action point that we can t- t- tell people what what they can do to improve their qualification process whatever they will call mql sql whatever leads to sales uh, one kind of action point after this podcast, what would that be? I, so I'm going to share with you our qualification process um, at SBR. I mentioned BANT. That's probably the most um, globally favorite one. The challenge with it, it's nothing wrong with it, by the way, but the challenge with it is that you remember B-A-N-T in that order. So if, And the B stands for budget. So if people often ask that budget question early, and that's not the right time to ask it. And that's the reason why we would never recommend BANT as a methodology, even though in NTABO, and that's N-T-A-B-O, there is B in there as well. So the N is need. That's the first thing you need to go and do. All right. You need to qualify and clarify the need. The T would be the timelines. Okay. So what timelines for people are going to work? So you can then determine when it's going to be appropriate for you to engage more effectively. Okay. The A stands for authority. Who are the key decision makers? Who's going to sign off? How is that process working within their organization? Then you can start talking about budget, you know, what's in their mind, what are they thinking about? Out. And then the O, which is unusual in the marketplace, and it's unique to SBR Consulting, I think, but now I'm sharing it with everybody, is obstacles. What are the obstacles we need to overcome to make sure this engagement is going to be working effectively? Are there things that are happening in your organization that might impede? Is there culture for issues or challenges or whatever it might be? That's what the O is. So N-T-A-B-O, that would be the qualification process I'd recommend people to go as a basic, as a starter that they can go and implement straight away. And many of our clients do. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Stuart. Thank you. Uh, listen, everyone who's listening to this podcast, uh, get on with that. Try this uh, systems. Uh, make mistakes because we all need to make mistakes to win uh, ASAP. And uh, uh, thank you very much, Stuart. Just as a quick summary, we talked about engage with people, engage with people, building the ideal client pr- uh, profile. We also talk about uh, band, uh, about um, the sales methodology. We also talk a little bit more about uh, a mindset and the triangle that you use within your and uh, use in, within uh, your ecosystem. Thank you very much, Stuart. Uh, it was H to H sales automation podcast uh, on uh, when does a lead become sales qualified. Thank you very much, Stuart. Thank you very much for listening to our episode. Let's build a business based on H to H, not B to B, but human to human sales and marketing automation. A human approach is the only one that sells.